Vinyl analysis is fueled by Grand Prix Karting. What's happening, gang? This is Vinyl Analysis, the, the Columbus Podcast Festival edition. I'm your host, Arch Madness. Along with me, my partner in crime, a, a guy, he is my, he is the van to my Halen. Yes. I kind of hipped him to that joke uh, yeah. earlier. Uh, producer Greg Hansberry. What's yo, up, Greg? Yo, yo. This is cool, man. Thank you, Big Greg, time. Big for time. setting this up. Happy to do it, man. The Columbus and Podcast Festival. This is something I've been kind of thinking about before we introduce our guest today. And I was thinking, yeah, we usually talk about, you know, obviously, uh, 70s and 80s hard rock discussion. That's right. what we do. Let's just forget all that, and let's talk about the royal wedding. Yeah. Because... I've got a, a fascinator oh, that I can't wait to, Harry, to tell you about. Harry has, he has scored big time. I love that girl, Megan. man. She is awesome. <laughs> all right. Our guest. <laughs> First three-time guest ever. On vinyl announcement. Now, he is the guitarist for Shuck and Bubba Deluxe. Columbus Rock fans know him from the legendary group Shock 2. Guitarist Rick Soga. Soga, what is up, yes. man? Hey, man. Thank you for having me. Great. So good. Hi, everybody. Hi. Hello, everybody. It's, I told you. It's uh, Saturday sold out. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that That's or not. Great. But we are, we are awesome. ready, to, we're ready to, to, to rock the house here. Thank you for everyone that, that came in. It's good to see most people have a drink in their hands, Soga. Yeah, so this show will get right. better as we <laughs> yeah. as we go along. The first yes, go ahead, Greg. Well, well, this is a, we have a big announcement here. Mm -hmm. This is uh, this is a, a, a premiere. Oh my god, a big time deal. We are premiering episode one, season four. This is the first episode of season four of Vinyl Analysis <laughs> of season four. So I, we think we you wanna, lost count. You wanna, should we go out into the crowd and like talk to them and get their feelings on this? Or? <laughs> well, your, your favorite moments really, in season one through yeah, three. Let's just talk about seasons one through three. And a lot like Brooklyn Nine Nine, we were canceled, yeah, and now we got picked back up by again. NBC. They got picked up by NBC. Isn't that great news? I love that show. I love that show. So Rick Soga, yes. Soga, as you're known mm -hmm. in the biz. When did you? When did you? Because people who who listen to this podcast on the reg, yeah, as the kids say, so they they know they know your backstory. But but talk to us, Goose. I mean, what's the deal? I mean, when did you pick up the guitar? When did you form? When was Shock Two formed back in the eighties? Talk to us. Give us a little back history. Uh, the, the, Gives me time to know, drink. Starting out, starting out as a as a kid, um, just listen to what everybody else listened to. A heavy diet of QFM. No, you know, it's just really <laughs> when was. radio it's was heavy, king. That's true, heavy man. Diet of that. That's right. And uh, right. so just listen to a lot of classic. What well, now is classic rock, which is, uh, it's it's crazy that it's. 30, 40 years old now. Isn't that uh, nuts? That and, and you really, Crazy. and if you think about it, Soga, yeah. even like the Nirvanas and that whole movement that came out of Seattle, that shit is literally 30 it's classic. Years, it's, it's 30 yeah. years yeah, old now. We're not rock. even, wow. we're not even, can I do this? Can I, I do am. this? Yeah. I kind of like this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now we're. Let's settle healthy. in, everyone. Welcome to 2018. So, yeah, when did you pick up the guitar? Uh, probably, like, I don't know, probably. Uh, eighth grade, seventh, eighth grade, my mom got me a guitar, started jamming on it, and then started picking up on, like, you know, easy stuff to kind of play, like, you know, some REO Speedwagon, and just, like, started jamming. Dude, you're going to piss off the REO fans. Yeah, Don't no, say that's like, easy. Do not say that's easy. That is not that easy. Yeah. 
But I started playing on, you know, like that kind of stuff. And then Fog Hat and then, you know, those kind of things. Um, first riff. Do you remember your first riff? And, and let me just say this. He brought his guitar. He brought an amp. Probably something like... Why don't you what? play your first riff there, Soga? What was your first oh riff? God, first riff. What was it? Free Fallin' by Tom Free Petty. Fall- <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was good God, man. That was everybody's that first riff. That was like riff. the 90s. Yeah, don't, don't, don't. Yeah, there you go. That was the first one. No, oh, bull. Bullshit. <laughs> Can I please? No, that's bullshit, dude. You did not start with a blues riff. That was not your first riff. My first riff ever was that right there. No one's buying that. Right here. No one's buying that. No one's buying that. Play Smoke on the Water, then I'll get my next question. I, I get what you're saying. Right. He built from there. That okay, that's a guitar okay. lesson right. here. All right. All right. While we're at it. That's a little easier than I thought. That's true. He brings up a good <laughs> it, it point. Stevie hard. Ray was very It sounds hard. Did you do it for the fame? Were you trying to be famous? Did you do it for the girls? Because let's face it, the time frame that I we grew up in, it was all yeah, about trying yeah, to get the girls. Yeah. I mean, it's, well, it's, it's what it was. the first girl that ever I wanted to impress was my mom because she bought me the guitar. So I had to keep showing her I was learning. This is... Oh, so mom. Mother's Day weekend Mother's when we're recording this. Happy Mother's Day. Yes, Perfect. happy Mother's Day to Perfect. all the moms. This is when we're yeah. recording. We're going to timestamp yeah. this show, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you, thank you. So, what did Mama Soga think? She loved it. I mean, you know, she was really supportive, and and uh, it was it was a different world then, you know, because when you played guitar, you played guitar, or you played basketball, you played basketball. You didn't have a million other things that were taking up your your uh, time. Whereas, like, say, my son. Just a second. <laughs> just a second. Yeah, I'm I'm listening, Soga. Yeah. I'm just seeing if my kids yeah, won their ball I'm practice. seeing if my kids won their baseball the game. Yeah. But go ahead. So short now that it's uh, you know back then you just had. All day to take a record, like one of these records, and put it back to the beginning and let it play. Look, it's 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 well documented on on our show. Kiss was yeah so important to my love of music and and where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. Oh, yeah. which was talk music. I mean, what was the who was the first person you saw? Was it was it? Did you see like Elvis? Did you see the Beatles? Did you see did you see Kiss? Did what, Zeppelin? What was the first thing you saw? It was like. That's, that, I want that. I think I saw like, like an Aerosmith record. You know, I saw that album. I thought they looked cool on there. And then my brother had them around the house. UFO. Oh, dude. Yeah, stuff like that. I mean, that. seriously, so I UFO. Dad. And yeah. that's, and really, for a lot of people, I had this discussion. It's, it's the second UFO discussion. <laughs> and not, not the kind that fly in the air, right, but the yeah, band. The band. It's it's uh it's Just amazing how influential that band was for a lot of yeah. us as well and you wouldn't yeah. think that and Pete Way Pete yeah. Way the bassist for UFO he was he was he in, throughout here. the 90s he was right here in Columbus yeah. Ohio yeah but Michael Shanker of course when they were at their like when they were favorites. you know lights out I mean yeah. that was that was amazing that was yeah so yeah. so yeah listen they and they were extremely talented players like extremely talented so when you had to learn those songs you had to sit down and put hours in the trying to figure out what was going on with their with their do you have to get, and their, their playing yeah did you get your like uh, um your rig and everything set up right next to the to the record player you know oh, yeah. you have your hair play- yeah. i had a, my dad had a reel to reel machine and i used to plug in yeah. reel to reel the headphone yeah. out and then because now you can do it from your phone or whatever. But oh, back, you know. And but we're gonna yeah. oh, we're gonna yeah. show our age here. Yeah. So we're gonna show <laughs> our age, and for the people that are in the audience that are our age, the Mister Microphone 
Oh yeah. And I had a, I had a Mr. Microphone. <laughs> And you remember the commercial? Oh, yeah. Hey, good looking. He's, we'll be back to, we'll pick, be back you to pick you up. And, <laughs> the Simpsons and, did that. And but you would. So the Mister Microphone, for those that don't know, was something that uh, if you programmed into, I think it was was it was it FM? It was FM. It was FM. Yeah. But you could get to a certain channel. It was eighty. It was in. It was on that. It was far left, <laughs> yeah, man. Far left. And you would uh, you would kind of tune it in, and your Mister Microphone, you could hear yourself on it. So that was actually like. You were broadcasting. On the radio. Yeah, and I can remember doing that, pretending I was my favorite okay, DJs. Yeah, yeah. Where, where I grew up down in, in, in Southeastern Ohio, I would pretend that I was the, the personalities and introducing the, the next record and, and all that stuff. So, let's, Convoy. Stop it. We're going on a call. Oh, in the Navy. You can stop. <laughs> yeah, all right. So, first segment of the show, before we even get into today's record, what is on your table? <laughs> What's on your table? It can be new or old, but we want to know what you are currently jamming on. And I'm going I'm to go ahead and start with, let's start with our producer. Obviously, the weather we're here and recording this in Columbus, Ohio at the Columbus Podcast Festival. The, uh, yeah. Right. Yes. Uh, the weather has been beautiful. And one of my go-to beautiful weather songs, yeah. you know, windows down, just cruising down the highway. And it's pretty mellow, but it's uh, from Pink Floyd's metal, Fearless. Oh, metal is a great record. Yeah, by yeah. The way. So, so by the way, metal is the record that uh, that Any I'm spinning Any Pink Floyd right fans in the uh, in the, in the, in the, in the yeah, yeah. crowd there? Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, you just you just listen to Fearless, that just like open tune acoustic guitar riff, and then uh, and then after you know you've had a few, then you, you flip know, it over to know, side B. You flip it over to side B, and it's like on. twenty minutes of echoes that you kind of gonna get tripped out and lost to. But uh, Pink Floyd metal, man, it's it's where I'm at right now. It's just it's a good springtime record. Uh, you want me to go before you, or Soga? All right, cool. I'll, I'll take it right now. So, uh, in my neighborhood, there's a group of other forty-year-old married dudes, and uh, we don't. And we're, we've got kids and stuff, and you, you know what I'm talking about, Soga. We don't like bar hop anymore. We don't do that. Right. We what what we call is uh, it's garage hopping. So in our garages, in our neighborhood out in Potascalo, Ohio, everybody's got, you got your sound system. What do you call the Carhartt gang? What do you call it again? Uh, we're, the the insulators. Insulators. we're the insulators. insulators. Bro. So get right. that right. I'll yeah. make sure I tell them you said it correctly. So it's the insulators. That's the name of our group because we oh. wear those insulator <laughs> jackets because we're in the garage. Yeah, yeah. It's cold in the garage. Oh, except gang. for now. now it's cold in the garage. Not now. It's not. But anyway, you have, uh, you have a sound system. Jorts. You have your, your refrigerator where you can put, you know, like waters and, and stuff like that. And then you have a TV. We watch. We all watch hockey together and stuff. Well, anyway, my buddy Larry. This was last weekend, <laughs> and he texted me. He's like, "Arch, get over here. I got a surprise." And I was like, "Oh my god, what has Larry, Larry done?" You know, and he's kind of our leader. Oh, we all god. lean on Larry. Larry's, you know, he's got the best garage. He's got the best garage. Okay. He's got yeah, all the new <laughs> things. So he's he's like, "Come down here. I want I want to surprise you." So I'm walking down the street. I get over. I, I can, I'm getting close to Larry's like three houses down. Larry's three houses down. And I can hear Whitesnake coming out of Larry's there garage, which is not anything out of the ordinary. Okay. We, we jam on Whitesnake. You normally hear all the time. Snake. But I'm like, wow, that sounds really good. That's crying in the rain. He just started it. Oh, nice. And I'm like, what is going on? And he's got this big smile on his face. Larry installed a turntable. Yes, Larry. He was the first one in the the first insulator to install a turntable in his garage. 
Nice. Larry's got a turntable in his garage, and I'm like, he oh is my your God. leader. Mind, now I know why you follow Mind blown. Has one. Yeah, yeah. So we were listening to it, and the beauty of vinyl, the beauty of the LP, the beauty of the album is you have two different sides. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to get up, you got to walk over, you got to flip it over and do all that stuff. I forgot what an amazing record this is. This was 1987. This was Whitesnake, and, and of course, uh, for those of you that, that listen to album-oriented rock or classic rock, you would know, Is This Love, Still the Night, Here I Go Again, th- those songs. But so many other songs on this one, Give Me All Your Love. I forgot about Don't Turn Away, which is the last track yeah. on this yeah. record. And I don't even want to tell you, I mean, I was trying to make out with girls. <laughs> you didn't try back to make out with Larry, Back in 1987. No, I didn't tell Larry right, that okay, part, good, but I'm you. telling you guys now just for the program. <laughs> But uh, but I was listening. We listened to 1987's White Snake album. David Coverdale is one of my all-time favorite vocalists. Uh, David Coverdale, not only with White Snake, some of my favorite Deep Purple. I mean, The Burn. Mm-hmm. Burn. I mean, are you kidding me? Burn. He's got to be what close. To Come 70? taste the band. And, and let me say this, and we'll, and we'll get to you, Sogi. He is close to 70. Yeah. David Coverdale still sounds amazing. He's one of the few guys, and there's not a lot of guys in a lot of these bands that we talk about. On Tuesday nights together, when we record the show, yep. they don't have it anymore, man. Yeah. They don't have it anymore. David Coverdale still does. I saw him a 66. few years ago. Coverdale, he's 66. sixty-six. I saw him a few years ago. Even to this point, he still holds the microphone back. Yeah. When he hits a note, because he still he still has he still has the power. That's yeah. what he thinks. Just the PA guy is like riding it. Could be, be like, Tony Contane. <laughs> Could be that he's always surrounded himself with beautiful women. Soga. But uh, this is a great record. If you're, if you're not hip to it, uh, get hip, but I'm sure a lot of you are. But re, rediscover Whitesnake's 1987 record because there's so many songs that, that radio didn't play that are fan favorites, and it's, just, it's, an, it's a great, great album. Yeah. So now we turn to you, Soga. What is uh, on your table? Uh, well, I was, like, I was reading about different recording methods for different bands and how they do things back in the 70s and so forth. And um, so I read an interesting thing that showed that uh, on the Aerosmith record, uh, Get Your Wings, um, that uh, Train Kepper Rollin' was a cover mm-hmm. tune, but, but they, a Yardbird song. They, they, they redid that. I used to love those guitar solos, and everything was just so... It was just so stellar on that record. A lot of blues then, influence. A lot and, of blues influence. Yeah, As we then, learned, that was one of your that first That was like riffs. in the 70s. And then it went through into the 80s and 90s. And I just was always go back to that and how great a guitar player. And I was like, Joe Perry. I was just such a big Joe Perry and, and, and Whitford fan. I just, you know, that was it for me. And then I found out in that article, they didn't play the guitar on those songs. What? But yeah, a lot of the songs on that record were recorded by, by studio guitar players. Why did we not know that? What the, so I why, go why, back. why would you we tell me this when I'm drinking? Yeah. yeah. That's a horrible story, Soga. So, yeah. Is so, Santa Claus real? Jesus, yeah. now what? So these, these two guitar players that were just these monster players that when they went in the studio, they couldn't pull it off as well, cleanly. In and the they studio. would bring the studio guys in to do this the solos. And turns out that my all my hero worship was directed way, way back to the wrong people. It was the wrong people. I was following these guys, and uh, I mean, I, although Joe Perry is one of the coolest, greatest guitar players, he didn't do the stuff that really initially got me so freaked out about how. I don't even. This really, is kind of really screwing me up. Now. So Train Kepper Rollin is a is a is a perfect example of that. They didn't play. 
They didn't play any of the guitar solos on there. There's two other guys. You can look it up. I don't want to. That's a whole, that's horrible. I listen to their songs now, and it's like, oh, my God. And there's a lot. I mean, there's Doesn't a that break your heart? Yeah. Doesn't that break your heart, yeah. man? Yeah. So I mean, I, Perry and Whitford, are you flipping kidding yeah. me? So I've been listening to that album just going, why didn't those guys do a record? Why didn't those guys right. have their own bands? But it's amazing to think about, and, and you've seen it. Yeah. You've seen it oh, where yeah. people, these studio musicians... They make a good living. Rudy yeah. Sarzo, I think about all these guys that, well, he's not studio, but he's a hired hand. He's, he's a, a hired, hired gun. Hired gun. Yeah, yeah, you know absolutely. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So then, you think about all these, diff- uh, all, these, all these famous musicians, and they've been in different bands. Sometimes they get credited, sometimes they don't. Yeah, I mean, on some of those Kiss records, Ace didn't play on. Don't, not, don't, no, even, no, no, don't go there. No one's believing that. Kiss is Archie's favorite yes. artist. Don't even um, start that. Yes. Jimmy Page. Later um, on. Later on. Later on. Later on. Ace. Ace. Uh, he couldn't stay off. Hey, stuff. Yeah, but that was later on. But we're talking. That's like Creatures of the Night. That was like the Elder. That was like 1980s Kiss. That was an early Kiss. Not the super cool Kiss from the 70s that. Really, um, wasn't it Jimmy Page that played on a lot I'm of Kinks you, shit? What? Didn't Jimmy Kinks? Page yeah. play on some Kinks records? You really got me so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of some of that stuff uh, is what? Yeah. It's Jimmy Page. Oh, there's all kinds. Do you of know that Jimmy Page was a studio? Did you guys know that Jimmy Page? What? Yeah, there's all kinds even. of awesome stuff behind the scenes like that. I love, I love that. But I can tell you what: no one other than Edward Van Halen has played. <laughs> on a Van Halen has played guitar on a Van Halen record. Now uh, today's album, today's focus album, is Van Halen's 1981 album "Fair Warning," released April 29th, 1981. Uh, two singles released from that record, "Unchained" and "So This Is Love." But AOR stations, and this is the second time you've heard me use that. The AOR is album-oriented rock. Now that is where I work in Columbus, Ohio. QFM. That was one of the originals. That is a very that's a that's an album oriented rock station. Whether you talk uh, talk about the Buzzard in, in Cleveland or EBN back in the day, where the people in radio would you'd get a record and you'd have the single that they would want you to play, but then you'd get a really cool program director or someone in the office. It's like, have you heard track three? Track three is really good, and that's and honestly, a lot of bands in in a lot of songs that, that became hits for them. That's how it went down. Or they flip. It the wasn't they, they flipped the forty five. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. You flip the forty five. It's like oh my god, this song Great on the other song. side yeah. is amazing. But that is uh, anyway. So that's well, I guess my point. Go ahead. Let so let me ask you something. Like when when uh, twenty years ago when you were on the radio. If you wanted to play a song that you wanted to play, rather than maybe playlist songs or the popular singles, like there's two singles off there, when was it possible for you to play those songs? And look, man, I was mid-90s when I came on. Yeah. So it was almost over. It was over. It was almost over at that point. I mean, you had a list of songs. I could, when I did Overnights, which was a midnight to 5.30 time (laughs) shift, guess what? You could get away with it. That, That wasn't the case uh, with the day parts and the morning shows and the drive at fives and all that good stuff, you could you couldn't do that, and it, it probably did end in the late eighties. Yeah, I would imagine, yeah. and that was probably something you guys in Shock Two were fighting as well, trying yeah. to figure out how to get on h- the radio. how to get on how to get on the radio, and 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 still to this day, yeah. people are, are are trying to you know it's, trying to figure it out exactly what what goes on, and and really with with a station like mine where I work, yeah. 
I mean, it's set in stone. I mean, it's yeah. you, we're playing iconic rock, and oh, that's everybody it. knows yeah, everybody yeah. knows what that is. Oh yeah. So, but yeah, so you had two singles released, Unchained, and so this is love. But AOR stations also played Mean Street and Push Comes to Shove. Now, while we've got you, and, and shit, man, come on. Let's let's hear some of the riffs before we even get into this record. <laughs> let's uh, let's give me give me some. Uh, now we talked well, about this like uh, no like pressure, a, but no no. Mean Street, man. I mean, it opens give us the mean record. Street. Opens give us some Mean Street with. Uh, And let me see why. Let me let me tell you why I I I picked this record. Now, this was the darkest, at times the heaviest, yeah, but the least successful commercially. Oh, really? Yes, it that. took the longest to get where they wanted it to to keep it up at Van Halen status. Yeah. All right, and this would have been 1981, and you know Van Halen one was dark. Van Halen one was heavy. Yeah, but it plays like a greatest hits album. Yeah, it, it, it plays like a greatest hits album. You hear, you so, hear, you hear Van Halen one now. You know every single song. Yeah. All right, but yeah. there was a dark element. There was yes. that brown sound that we all grew up with. The right. the Eddie's Eddie's sound yeah. that became famous. Now let me throw this out there, and it was not commercially successful. And this is where it's going to get a little vulgar because I'm going to mm-hmm. talk about Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone's album guide. Gave this two and a half stars. Boo. So and and, and and I know, bro. And and Rolling Stone. Let's just go ahead and throw this out there. As far as your top one hundred guitarists, where did they had Alex Lifeson? Ninety nine. They had Alex Lifeson at ninety nine or ninety eight. No, it was ninety eight. It was ninety eight. Yeah, I think it was ninety eight. After so, twenty, who cares? Yeah, yeah. Right. So and let me just say this. I dropped my Rolling Stone subscription, and this is a true story. They had. Jack White in their top 100. Uh, they had uh, Jack White ahead of Eddie Van Halen. I, I'm a Jack and it was White at that boy, point that I told that. Rolling Stone to gently go fuck themselves <laughs> because I was I was out at that point. Uh, Jack when White is have, my boy, but I, I know agree he is, and I love and dude, I love I, the stripes. I, but I agree 100. I love with the stripes. You. There's no uh, way that Eddie but no Van way Halen is when we're talking about influential guitarists and where we're at with this. I agree. I agree. So where was Joe Perry on that? I don't know. He, I don't he know. Didn't he make probably the list was because he, he didn't was record probably, any yeah, records. He didn't make the yeah, music. Didn't make <laughs> yeah, thanks to you, Wizard of Oz. We've already looked behind the curtain, and we know that those guys aren't even playing the damn songs. <laughs> so uh, let me talk to you uh, about Fair Warning Soga. <laughs> you just—we're all gonna go home and just be. Depressed. I know, man. I'm like depressed. I'm gonna drink even more now when I get home because Soga has informed me that Van Hale or that uh, Aerosmith, the guys, uh, Whitford and Perry, probably didn't even play on the damn records. And, and Freddie Mercury didn't sing on any Queen record. Oh, stop it. Stop heart. it. Yeah. So let's say this, and, and tell me if I'm off base. As far as Van Halen, the Roth era goes, yes. it's either Van Halen 1 or Fair Warning. Yeah. Those For are, Roth era fans. Yeah. Those are... Those now, you're going to have some 1984 people... That that swear by that, and I and I get that. I get that. It's a good record. A great record. It was it was a great record. That's just such a dark album for them. You know, they 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 went for it. It just seems like that record was the one where they just were like, they didn't listen to the record company as much as they just wanted to do what they did after they proved themselves on the first two records. After that, I think that the out you know which which record companies are. 
they were fantastic back then. They gave you time to kind of grow. I mean, they you could make first, mistakes. Yeah. Well, hey, thank God that's how that's what kept Rush in the ball game, man. Yeah. I think Eagles, that's what kept Ru- uh, that's what kept Rush in the ball game. After yeah, the Eagles' first steel, few records, grief. they were you know, they, I, I from what I I remember, I think the first couple of Eagles records didn't sell that well, and then they had faith in them, and then you know what's nuts is this record. Van Halen's uh, Fair Warning was the shortest record. And if, if anyone has ever listened to the Diver Down record, you would say, how the hell minutes, is that the shortest This one clocks in at 31 minutes. 31 minutes. They're quick. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy to think about? How much was the record back then? Uh, yeah, you're not. You weren't getting your money's worth. 11, well, you were with Van Halen. Yeah. You were with Van Halen. Yeah. But but seriously, at yeah. 31 minutes. That's unbelievable. Uh, to, to get is, that done. Which goes to show you again that the record company pretty much let them do what they wanted to do. Why do we... Why do we... It's still nine songs. song. And I guess yeah. I can opine on this as well. But I mean, why do we, as Van Halen, like I said, the Roth era Van Halen fans, why, why do we love this record so much? Maybe I like you said it was dark, but maybe it's off the beaten path. Like they weren't. It trying, was. Yeah. They weren't trying to have a hit. So you know, like. Uh, Isn't that cool when your favorite band kind of does that? Yeah. When they're like, you know what? We're not going to do a hit. We're just going to make a record that sounds good. And and quite honestly, a lot of times that's the one that becomes yeah. the diehards' favorite. And so you could talk to this because you're a blues fan and a. We Van found Halen that out. Fan, but, yeah. uh, this was a little bluesier than some of the other ones, and maybe I'm wrong, but there's just my ear. But there was a little, or was a more is like a dark song because yeah, blues is dark at its yeah, core, yeah. right? I mean, it's always their album is always you know all those rock uh, Van Halen records. It's all based out of the blues, right? But this one in particular is the recording method was you know it was a different way of recording. I think the way they did this album, it doesn't sound like the first two. It doesn't. It doesn't. Like the, it doesn't. You could records. compare it. it. Sounds and and we have here on, on the show here just in, in the last. Minutes we have compared it to Van Halen one as far as popularity with yeah. the diehards, yeah. but that's the closest thing. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't sound like Van Halen two. It no. doesn't obviously it doesn't sound like Diver Down. Diver Down is a party record. Yeah, yeah. We Diver Down is something you listen to in the summertime. Yeah. You know, uh, Pretty Woman and Dancing in the Streets yeah. and, and it's all yeah. those other fun songs and you're at yeah. the pool. Yeah, no no drinking. covers on that. What's that? No covers on this record, right? right. There's no, covers. no. So that that's and that was something else that was kind yeah, of different for yeah. Van Halen. Yeah. That's you know, right. they always had a couple different cover records, and I think that's why people yeah. thought that Diver Down was kind of a throwaway. Right. But I love Diver Down, and, and honestly, Diver Down would probably be in my top three, just for the fun aspect of it. That was the Van Halen party record. Yeah. You think of Van Halen in the Roth era, they were a party band. Right. And, and that's, no one wanted to go on after them. No. No one wanted, you, you talk about the late 70s and the early 80s, no one wanted to go on after that Van Halen. Right. No right. one. Oh, yeah. You can't follow that. Is there any other riffs you got here? I got one more thing I want to throw out because I want to hear your Van I want to hear your Van Halen story. He's got a great Van Halen oh. story. Perfect. So what do you got? So we've done... Did we do Unchained? Unchained. Do Unchained. Do Unchained. Unchained. Whoa, whoa. Come on, Arch. Give me a break. That that one yeah. part though. That, again, give it up for Soga, everyone, right? And, and but that 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 harmonic Tell part that he do. always. Yeah. When people hear that, they're thinking Panama. They're yeah. thinking other yes. things as yeah. well. I mean, yeah. it's just that that harmonic part that Eddie. Yeah. 
That's him, isn't it? That's yeah. him. Yeah, that's well, yeah, him. He brought that in. I mean, that's like you said earlier. There's nobody was playing guitar for Eddie. It was just Eddie. At the time when I was learning how to play guitar, it was about, it wasn't about, I mean, there was guitar heroes. There was like, you know, Ted Nugent and stuff like that. There was guitar heroes, but there was nothing like what Eddie was doing. He was doing. the new kid like on the a, scene, man. It was like, experimental yeah, for, 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 for a lot of But it was a so lot catchy, of ears. though. Everything had, yeah. it, it was catchy and the tone was right. And, you know, when you hear Dance you know, the Night Away, when yeah. you hear Dance the Night Away from the Van Halen 2, you're like, well, who are they? Who is that? Is that a Roy Orbison song? You're trying to think of what that is. No, damn it, that, that's Van Halen, yeah. man. They wrote yeah. that, and that's that's one of those songs where you're like, it almost sounds yeah. like it's something that they are covering, but well, it's the, not. The beauty of that band was they started off as a cover group, so they had so many influences. And they knew what pop was, and Eddie would also back in the club days turn around because people of the finger tapping, and he didn't want people to realize what he was doing. How is this guy getting this sound? That's awesome. Yeah, and he would, he would turn around he he so people, would, people yeah. wouldn't steal his shit, that man. was today, and there was yeah. a guitar player that came out like Van Halen. Oh, it'd be on Instagram. It. Oh, yeah, it'd be over. It would be stolen within hours. They would, be, they would steal his everything. Tell your Van Halen story. Tell your Van Halen story. I want to know the one. You've got, he's well, got a couple well, different ones. One last ones. question. Because right, go for it. it. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sunday afternoon. Um, in the, oh, Sunday, Sunday afternoon Sunday, in the park. Yeah. You had a question I, about I, this. I'm hearing Listen this. Listen to this. It, so it's, it's Eddie on keyboard. But I yeah. thought, I'm listening to it being like, is that him on the guitar doing some trippy it, shit? Or yeah. is this him experimenting with the keyboard? And it is. Yeah, it was a synth. But, but like he ran the synth like a guitar. So he ran it through his guitar rig. So it's got this real heavy, distorted Marshall you know, sound, you know, huge, but it's just like this little keyboard that he played. That and, and this was the record, uh, producer Greg, this was the record where Van Halen started doing the synthesized stuff. And you got to remember that Dave was not, David Lee Roth was not cool with this because this was right around the time when Dave's like, look, man, you're not, you're a guitar hero. Right. No one wants to hear you play keyboards. Right. Sammy let him do whatever the hell he wanted. Right. You, know, v- you know, Van Hagar. You could do whatever you want at that point. At that right? point. Yeah, you were already, point. you were making cash at yeah. that point. But, yeah. but this really was as dark and as much as we love it and as much as we don't want him to go away from the guitar, it worked with Fair it Warning. It was cool, yeah. It was cool. It was a, it was, it was a departure for him. And, and I think that kind of led to the far, the where he was uh, on 84, and then with Hagar, piano. Started playing keyboards. Yeah, yeah. Wait, I don't even want to talk about it. I don't want to talk. I'm going to drink another beer <laughs> if you're going to talk about Van Hagar. Tell us your Always. Eddie Van Halen now, story. Yes, let's, yes. let's go. And he was... And, for those of you that are not, not uh, as into Van Halen as we yeah, are, but yeah. the 5150 Studios, my man over there knows. I know we're talking. This guy, this is our guy over here. I got okay. you. So the 5150 Studios in Eddie's over by his house and stuff and all that yeah. stuff. So take us to what year, set it up. So I'm going to sit back and, yeah, you got a new beer. Let's do this. recording the three, the, the three record. Um, that was with... Uh, the Sharon. With Sharon. They were doing demos back then. So my buddy uh, was doing an album with his, uh, Eddie's partner, which is uh, Matt Brooke. And uh, so Matt invited me and uh, Chad to come up there. They're doing the record. He said, bring your friend Ricky up there. So I flew right out and uh, had something to eat. We went up up the... Uh, the coastline. We went right coastline, but we went up to. It's the way LA. I want. It's the way I want my Eddie Van Halen visit. I got a great. I got a great video of us going up there and everything. I'll show it to you. And so uh. we go up there and we go through the gates and we're we're at Eddie's house. Eddie's house sits right off to the right. Now him and Val are still together. Him and Valerie Bertinelli are still together at this point, right? Um, it's an were they around? I think they were still together. Yeah. I think they were still together. Okay. 
So we go, we go through past Not this happy, house, but... and you see this <laughs> golf cart, and it's got it's all the Van Halen painted golf cart, and you see the cars in the driveway, big house, and then we go around, and then his garage has been converted. Well, it was it was a garage. It was a uh, it was a uh, handball like. Uh, what do you call that? A handball. Like a court? Yeah. He like changed, tennis? That's what it was. You have they, one of those at yours. Yeah, yeah. Well, like in Arlington. In Arlington, yes. yeah. So it was in his backyard. He turned it into a studio. So we went back in the studio, and I can't even believe I'm there, and I'm looking through all his gear, and, you know, this guy's recorded with Michael Jackson. He's, you know, one of the biggest guitar players since Hendrix, you know? No one's coming around anywhere near that right my biggest one of my biggest heroes and uh we go through and we're looking at everything i'm looking going to the back area of the room and there's every one of his records are 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 there on the the uh <laughs> the master tapes he owns all the masters so it's got of course you know, he does all that's sitting there and he's i mean it's just crazy and so then we go into the studio part all these guitars are everywhere and uh so we're kind of waiting around just kind of looking at stuff and then i pick up a guitar and start playing it and um i just start playing it and you know just jamming it's, this thing is awesome and he's got this little speaker inside of it so awesome. i can play it without an amplifier wow. like this is so cool and i'm hitting the button and like i haven't seen one like that before and i'm going this thing sounds pretty cool and i'm playing it and then um this guy goes, uh, you like that amp? You like that guitar? And I go, this thing is awesome. And I'm looking down at him. This is awesome. I'm playing it. And he goes, uh, you want to buy it? And I go, oh, well, how much? And I look up, and there, there's Eddie. God. Dude. There and there's Eddie standing there looking at me playing his guitar, and he's got a smile on his face. No so pressure, Soka. Unbelievable. <laughs> he so, was cool, yeah, wasn't sir, he? He was, he was cool. He was cool as hell. He was so cool. Yeah. That's like, you know, it's like you going home, and somebody's on your, your you know. Right. In your favorite chair or on your laptop. You know? No, and he was. What are you doing? And he's like, "You want to buy it?" I go, "I go. Are you serious?" He goes, "I'm just fucking with you." He's like, "I'm Ed," and he stuck his hand out, and I go, "I know, I know." He does. doesn't like Eddie. Yeah. That I learned. He doesn't like Eddie. Uh, interesting. It's Ed or Edward. Yeah. Ed, yeah. yeah, I'll go Ed. Edward. So I meet him and then talk to him. We start talking about the guitars a little bit and we're talking about his amps. I got to see his main amp, the one that's like the famous amp that everybody's trying to. You know, get you know, the sound from and, and, and listen for guys our age. I mean, we absolutely idolize this guy, and and if you think about on Van Halen too, the black and uh, yellow one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was uh, for those of you who are familiar with the uh, the Pantera and the Dimebag Daryl story. Obviously, shot and killed. He was buried. He was a huge Van Halen fan, and Eddie brought that black and gold guitar, the one that you see on Van Halen too. That is buried with with Dimebag. Yeah. He he gave it to the family and they they actually buried him. I didn't with realize that. they were boys like that. Yeah, I mean, y'all, oh, yeah, yeah. That's just cool. But it, I don't think Eddie really knew uh, Daryl or anything along those lines. But I think it was just he knew how influential Dime was, was for other guitar players yeah. and what he meant to Dime. So he and you know what? I saw a great story one time with uh, Dimebag's friends and they're all sitting around talking. And they're like, "Look, if you would have told us." <laughs> Back in the 80s when we were sitting around a campfire <laughs> yeah. that you would get to be buried with the Van Halen 2 guitar, yeah. kill me right now, man. Yeah. Kill yeah. me right now. I, wanna, I want that. I want that. And, and real quick, I do have a quick Eddie Van Halen story. So we go uh, backstage. We take some listeners backstage to, to meet Eddie Van Halen and, and the band. So we're back there and their handler. You always got this handler guy. You got the tour manager guy. And he's like, look. Don't shake Eddie's hand, because that's how he makes his living. Don't, you know, don't do any of the, just kind of just react to whatever hello. he does. Right. Say hello, move on, he'll sign your 
diver down Val. record dipshit just move down. on everybody what move year? on what year so Don't this would have been this would have been and honestly you ready for this yeah. this would have been the Sharon era Ooh. so this would have been yeah. Van Halen 3 yep. at Polaris yep. or uh, you know at yep. the Jermaine Amphitheater or whatever so we go we take some listeners back we go back here comes Eddie Van Halen and the first thing he does, hey, what's up, guys? And starts shaking our hands. And he has like this construction <laughs> dude's grip. And he's shaking it. And we're all looking at the, so the we're, we're looking at yeah. the tour manager like, is this going to? And he was squeezing our hands so hard. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. guys, thank you so much for supporting us and blah, yeah, blah, that blah. Was a, that was a, uh, that was a tough time. Them. That was yeah. a tough time. That was a tough time. We he won't really talk about that. He did have to work for that. But I was, I was really impressed. On just how cool he was. Great guy. And they give you this speech of don't mess because you always hear that Eddie's hands are insured by Lords of London yeah. and all this stuff. And then he comes in and he's always like, give it high five. And he just grips you so hard. And what a good dude. So I should mention that vinyl analysis fueled by Grand Prix Carding. We have a sponsor. We do have a sponsor. So it's big time. Yeah, it's kind of big time for us, guys. It took us a couple seasons. But season four here, you know what? Before we. Cut loose. That gentleman down there. I just want to He's give him here story. for one reason. Here's this the deal. story. Here's the deal. It was worth it. This has nothing AC. to do with Van Halen. This really doesn't have to do with anything. probably get cut from the podcast. With anything. By the way. It's probably AC. not going to make the cut. But this is a good friend of all of ours. This is AC, shall we AC. say. Give it up for AC. Oh. Columbus Podcast Festival. Uh, AC, and I'm just going to set this up. Correct me if I am wrong, but you were in St. Louis. Okay, and this was right around the time that Chuck Berry died. Yep, it was okay. uh, last April. He died last March. So take it from there, AC. All right, uh, had a free weekend, scoured the country for an event to go to, and found Gene Simmons was playing solo. Yeah, Gene Simmons from Kiss. It's like doing a solo show and I'd seen, in St. Louis. I'd seen all Kiss members solo except for Gene. So we go, and Gene says, here, tomorrow, Chuck Berry will be laid to rest. Come pay your respects on this very stage. So Gene tells you about it. Gene yep. Simmons told you about Gene this, says AC. Gene says, show, on this stage, tomorrow, Chuck Berry, and he played, <laughs> played a Chuck Berry song yeah, during the go. Gene show. Right. So the next morning, totally forgot, drank way too much fucking beer. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't sound like you, AC. I know. Totally out of my uh, norm. But stumbled out the next morning, and there's limos lined up out front of the hotel because I stayed two doors down from the theater. Right. And what were you wearing, AC? I just you get up, you're hungover. Let's set the story here for the folks here at gym well, shorts at the Columbus Podcast shorts Festival. Shorts and so, a t-shirt. Okay. And a friend of mine, shorts <laughs> and a t-shirt. And I'm like, oh yeah, dude, it's a Chuck Berry thing. We gotta go. And he's like, they're in suits and dresses, man. I'm not going in there. I'm like, fuck you. That's Chuck right. Berry. That's I'm Chuck going Berry. In. I mean, this guy's he's influenced. I mean, Keith Everybody. Richards' idol, yeah. ladies and yeah. gentlemen. That's one thing Rolling Stone does have right. He's normally generally at the top. Yeah. The, oh yeah. Of, yeah. Chuck. Chuck is on a, on the top of a lot of their okay, list. Okay, okay. Yeah. So here we go. So I go up. I'm Sidebar. Like, what time does it start? It's already started, sir. You can pay your respects right this way. So okay, again, what do you have on, AC? <laughs> Shorts, T-shirt, sandals. Probably hadn't brushed my teeth. You know. yeah. It's all St. Right. Louis Blues T-shirt. Are you kidding me? So, okay. So I look at my friend. He's like, dude, not going. I'm like, all right, see you in a bit. So I go you in. You did it. Was there an open bar? Not that I'm aware of, and okay. I'll tell you why. Okay. I walk in, and they're scanning everybody. No phone, sir. No pictures. I'm like. All right. So I go in. They're like, would you like to sign the guest book? <laughs> Shit, yeah. 
So. You signed I Chuck Berry's guest list in flip-flops. Yes. So Now it's good visual. I walk in, they hand me, I have a picture of it, but the, the little, dude, you know, whatever they the give dude. you when you go to a funeral, the little pamphlet, his was 8 by 10 had a picture of him very young on the front, very old on the back, and his whole story inside, well, minus a few details. But uh, so I start walking Clearly. down the ramp. I look up, same stage. Gene Simmons was on the night before. There's all kinds of banners hanging. There's flowers in the guitar shape, which I found out later were sent by the Stones. But I didn't look because I'm walking down the ramp. And down on the floor where I was watching Gene Simmons like 12 hours earlier. There lays. There's an open casket. No, yeah, no. Oh, oh wow. Okay. And if you guys didn't follow the story, like Chuck Berry, this open casket, like this. It's like a week or a I month. mean, it was longer than. He than... died March 18th, and this was April 8th. Yeah. Ooh. So I look, I'm like, yeah, no, that's just for sure. Abraham oh, Lincoln didn't travel in state as long he, he as, as, as my train. I'm telling yeah, you, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so so like... yeah, and Casey Kasem. Casey Kasem <laughs> took a while <laughs> to get in the ground. I still yeah. thought but the yes. whole thing was for show, and I walked down, and there's Chuck. No kidding. With the guitar inside the top no of the car. No way! Wow. Never saw Chuck Berry. Well, no, but alive, but, but well, saw, you saw him in person. He's you did see Chuck Berry. <laughs> <laughs> he Holy shit, he Alan. He had the Navy hat on. It, it, at that point, oh yeah, he had the hat on. Yeah, right, right, right. Did right. he have his hat on? Yeah, yeah. He had the hat on. At that point, don't remember anything else. Missed all the letters that were sent and hanging up. Apparently, I read about it the next day. The flowers. I just wandered out, going, "Holy fucking shit!" That was that was Chuck, Chuck Berry. Well, how long was the line? There was none at that point. That's like what nine the? in the morning. That is insane. I was going down to the cannoli place, Any and I did get a very, very <laughs> Chuck Berry cannoli to take home just to be <laughs> any clear. other celebrities no we're gonna we're gonna save yeah, his you, antiquing you, with jack blades from night ranger no, wait, story did you for see another anybody there and was there five. any was there any uh, any other celebs yeah were there any celebs there yeah, good good question probably guys probably two to three hours before the actual service okay okay so this was for the public they wouldn't have let him in in, in jim shorts and flip-flops <laughs> if 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 mick jagger was there yeah. right yeah yeah you're Gene not simmons did speak oh he did he did speak there he did ac thank you so much Hey, what do you guys uh, go ahead and give uh, Picktown uh, Blues? Give a give a give a plug. Give a plug. All right, so uh, I know you're a big part of that. So July 13th in Pickerington, we've got the Picktown Palooza, and Night Ranger is our headliner. And we also have local band, the Gypsy Kings. Love those guys. And opening up for them, and the uh, lift the medium out of Cincinnati. But very excited to have Night Ranger back. Uh, had them about six years ago, and they put on a great show. So looking forward to it. And and, and correct me if I'm wrong. You can still rock in America. <laughs> Is that you can. okay? I just uh, for the Night Ranger fans out there. Just thank sing you, me away, man. AC. Sing me away. AC, thank you so much, uh, Soga. Thank you so much, my thank man. You. Uh, thank you. I consider I I our friendship is. I love it, man. Oh, Thank you awesome. so much. Yeah. And, and let me just say this. If, if Soga and Shuck and Bubba Deluxe are ever out and about playing and I happen to find out they're playing, I always, if I'm usually drunk, and I'll go run over to the front of the stage and I'll yell, play some docking. And it's been that way for almost 20 years, man. And he does it every and time. I do it every He does Nobody it every single Nobody time. Uh, thank you to the audience Thanks, here guys. at the Do Columbus the Podcast Festival. Thank you so much. For producer Greg Hansberry, I am Arch Madness, and this has been Vinyl Analysis. Stay frosty. Ow! Arch, get over here. I got a surprise. <laughs>